We'll take your Bibles tonight and turn to Ephesians chapter number six. We're continuing in our series in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians in chapter number six. And we'll begin in, in verse number 10. We're looking at verse um, 15 and 16 tonight. So uh, look forward uh, to that. We have the new members reception right afterwards. Some chili out there waiting for folks to come out and enjoy it. So uh, it'll be a real blessing. May all have heartburn tonight, but we'll have a good time of fellowship. So, all right. Hope that you received uh, the new members uh, uh, pamphlet or whatever there, the bulletin, just with pictures. Helps us, right, to learn names and welcome all the new members. And uh, it's been a while since we've had a new members reception. So families that have joined and uh, come here, we'll have a video at the end to help us to be reminded of some of them. And. And so I'm looking, looking forward to that. All right, uh, Ephesians 6 and verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Now, I hope you don't find it redundant even that we read these verses. And I, I know that you don't, but I, uh, um, I realize we could, we could have already moved through this and been on to next chapter, next series, etc. But, but I really felt impressed the Lord that because we're in such a spiritual battle, this is just good battle training and it's helpful for all of us. So um, in fact, tonight I, I mentioned we're going to preach verse 15 and 16. I told Angie on the way to church tonight, I feel like I could probably just preach verse 15 and, and that'd be it. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right, verse uh, 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, Taken the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. All right, let's just read through verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. All right, so this is part two. Gird your armor on. Just, just trying to uh, give each item attention and application uh, obviously, we, could, we seriously could spend a whole sermon on each of the items there that are part of the armor. And we're endeavoring to cover at least two each. So tonight, uh, protected by peace, protected by faith. Protected by peace, protected by faith. May God bless the reading of His Word as you're seated. Then we're going to consider this together. The heavenly calling of the local church. Gird your armor on. We said last week, as a quote from John Stott, that wobbly Christians uh, who have no firm foothold in Christ are easy prey for the devil. 
And so largely that's what, what um, I believe this passage is, is designed to do, is to help us not to be a soft target, but a hard target. And uh, to stand and not be easy Pray. Some years ago, I was introduced to a book, and I've met this gentleman named Cy uh, Rangel. Some of you know him from Temecula, California. We have students that are from Calvary Baptist Church, where Brother Bill Wrench is pastor, and transitioning with Brother Ryan Wrench. But a um, gentleman here that uh, is a retired, after 41 years of service in our, in our country, um, and he retired in 2005, as Special Force Command Sergeant Major and spent some time in Afghanistan. So it's, it's really a neat book. I don't, I don't think we have it in our, in our bookstore. If you're interested, I think we could help to get information. But it's, it's, uh, it's entitled this, Survival on the Spiritual Battlefield. And then it even has a subtitle. So, I mean, I was naturally drawn in. A Christian Warrior Training Manual on How to Safely Lead Your Family on the Battlefield and How to Be Victorious. I mean, it's almost like old school style um, subtitle, lengthy, you know, but it's, it's really a neat book, a lot of illustrations and just some of the experiences he had um, there in Afghanistan and, and obviously serving that long. He also at least was in the service, although he wasn't in, if I remember right, he wasn't in Vietnam and Korea, but he was serving during those, during that uh, time frame in our uh, country's service. But he said this, he said, um, Whenever a, whenever a soldier leaves and goes under the wire there in Afghanistan, so they're leaving the compound and they're going out, he made reference to this, and I'd like just to read a little bit of it for us here tonight and how it pertains to what we're considering. He said uh, he must wear his battle armor is what he referred to. And he's gonna, he goes in the book and explaining each of the items there uh, that we're considering. But he says this consists of combat boots, helmet, armored vest with plates, Individual weapons with ammunition, hand grenades, spoke uh, grenades, medics, radios, rations, and water. And I'm sure the list could actually go on and on. But he, he says that then that, um, that soldier would communicate with the Tactical Operations Center, indicating what the mission is, when they're going to be back, and all, all those things. And then, But this is what was interesting to me. Prior to living, leaving the compound... Each soldier is inspected by his team or squad leader to make sure that before he leaves, he has everything that he needs to survive on the battlefield. And he said, uh, and, he, and he takes a part of the book to say to dads, dads, you are that squad leader. And you need to make sure that before your family leaves uh, for the day that, that your family is ready for the battle. I thought about it this way as it pertains to our church family. I thought maybe we should station squad leaders and make sure that everybody's got their spiritual armor on. I wish there was a way physically that we could ensure that, that everybody was uh, prepared for the battle that you're going to face this week. Somehow this week, you're going to need to have your loins girt about with truth. You're going to need to have the breastplate of righteousness. I, I don't know exactly how, but uh, mentioned Brother Reed Thompson, Miss Carol Thompson, uh, good to see Brother Reed here tonight, and uh, that's a real blessing. But uh, their grandson is a police officer, and many of you uh, saw in the news or you heard in the news about a week ago, um, a young man uh, that was shot while on duty in the northeast part of town. That'd be their grandson. And uh, fortunately, listen to this, fortunately, he had on his bulletproof vest. He was shot in the chest, and that saved him. 
Well, that's the breastplate. It's amazing to me that a bulletproof vest can stop a bullet. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't have to understand it to appreciate it. It does. It works. And I, I've known, you know, police officers and every one of them I've, I've known. And we have some here, by the way, I'm thankful for the men that, that watch over our services while we're here, every service. And uh, they have on the vest. I'm sure it's uncomfortable. I'm sure it's uncomfortable. But uh, I'm sure glad that the Thompson's grandson was wearing it that day. You know, some, uh, before we move on to the next items that we're considering tonight, sometimes righteousness is uncomfortable. I'm talking about for us. It's not what we'd prefer to do. It may feel a little bit inconvenient or confining, but I'm telling you, you need to have that breastplate of righteousness on in the battle that we're facing so that we're not soft targets but hard targets. All the pieces here that we're looking at were made by God. They're forged by God. It's called the armor of God. They're furnished by God. One thing I did not mention last week that I wanted to mention here tonight, as he says, stand therefore having your loins and having on the breastplate and your feet shot. All of these are in a certain voice. You've got active, passive, and middle. All of these are in middle voice, which basically means this. You've got to put it on yourself. Somebody else is not going to put it on for you. Now, as you're a, a kid growing up in church, I think a lot of things uh, you're kind of spoon fed. You know what I mean by that? Is that, isn't that right? Uh, there's a lot of things that maybe your parents do for you. Well, the, the time comes when, when you've got to gird your loins on with truth. And you, you've got to put on the breastplate of, of righteousness and you've got to have your feet shod with preparation of the gospel of peace. And, and you have to take the shield of faith. I mean, it's a personal matter. And I'm thankful for the way that God uses other believers in our lives. But don't become a casualty because you never grew in your own personal faith. And so Paul is emphasizing that here that that each of you need to do this. And so we're going to look uh, tonight at the next two items. And we're really going to spend probably most of our time with verse 15. Let's read it again. As Paul says, And your feet shod with preparation of the gospel of peace. It's a short verse. It really and truly is a short verse. And yet uh, there's a lot of good insights here uh, that I've tried to glean this week to be able to pass on to you. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. First of all, he says your feet. How important are your feet? Uh, well, I'd say very important. Very important. Now, how, how lovely are your feet? Not very. <laughs> right? No. Um, how spectacular are your feet? <laughs> oh, they're awesome. No, I mean, you just don't think that way. But, but listen, he's saying your whole spiritual life is important here every part of you. And while I don't think much about my feet, they sure do make a big difference. Okay. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So from head, we're going to come to the helmet of salvation. So from head to toe, you've got to be battle ready. From head to toe, you've got to be spiritually prepared. Um, 
you know, in, in running, uh, Brother Dave Hardy helped me initially early on. Dan Preston uh, helped in a, in a major way. And this is one thing they said, listen, you've got to spend money on shoes. All right. Now, the major problem with that is I'm cheap. Anybody else? I mean, I think, man, spending 50 bucks is, is expensive on a pair of shoes, right? But I mean, to get a good pair of running shoes, yeah, I mean, you can get good deals, but I mean, you're going to be spending $100, $150, you know, on a pair of shoes. Some of you run, and am I telling the truth? Those shoes make a huge difference. Uh, some run in Asics, I run in Hoka's. My boys call them old man shoes because they got a big old thick sole. It's all right, I don't mind. I'm getting to be an old man, so it's fine. But they, they work well for me. And, and so you got to find, I, I mean, I, I went to a running store and they put you on a treadmill and they're seeing if you pronate to the right or to the left. Because if you don't take care of your feet, your shins are going to have problems, your legs are going to have problems, you're not going to run long. I mean, that's how important your feet are. I mean, just think about it. You're, hitting your, your, you're running and you're hitting the, your feet constantly. It makes a big difference. Hiking, uh, again, Dave Hardy, um, you know, he's talked to me about, you know, hiking the Grand Canyon and, and he, but he said this, I, I can't tell you every time it comes up, he's going to emphasize, you've got to make sure you've got the right shoes. If you don't have the right shoes, uh, you're not going to make it. The right shoes. Everybody getting this? The right shoes. Some of you are on your feet all day long. I thank God for our, uh, uh, healthcare providers, don't you? Doctors, nurses on your feet all day long. What a difference the right shoes make. Some of you work in food service and you need to have shoes that have a good grip to them and that can allow you to be on your feet a long time. And, and, and uh, those of you that play sports, have you ever tried to play basketball in dress shoes? It's a terrible sight. It's a terrible sight. I'm sure every independent Baptist has done that, but it doesn't work very well, right? Church, uh, basketball after church, you know, and and uh, not having on basketball shoes is not good. She I'm just trying to say shoes make a difference. And I guarantee you, you've got a bunch of shoes at your house. Am I right? If you're married, you do. I guarantee you that. But um, lots of shoes, shoes for every occasion. I thought, well, we could bring all the shoes tonight. Just have a whole message on shoes. That's not our point. The right shoes, having the right shoes in, in battle. You know, if you have your loins girt, I mean, you, you've got the belt. I saw Brother, Brother Davis, uh, he's one of the police officers here and a member of the church here, Jeff Davis. I saw his belt this morning. You know, I was paying more attention to it now that I've been preaching on this. Got all kinds of stuff on there. He had on the belt, he had on the vest. I also checked out his shoes and they looked like they were shoes, you know, uh, that were ready for action. Should it need to be, right? Uh, it makes a big difference the the type of shoes because even if you have on the the breastplate of righteousness you have your loins girt about with truth but watch this if you've fallen down you're easy prey if you're down you're easy prey if you've fallen I noticed this all right so I asked for some help with Art uh, Greenlee was uh uh, willing to give a little help here and let me borrow his combat boots. Okay. Did you know in the United States military course, I mean, I know it's basic combat training, but it is also known as boot camp, right? That's how a lot of, 
lot of, there's history to that. It actually goes back. I did a little study on it, but boot camp. Well, because, well, because they're in their boots so, so often. I notice it's not called flip-flop camp. <laughs> Can you imagine trying to run three to five miles in flip-flops, right? Can you imagine trying to go through all the obstacles? I thought about coming in here tonight, <laughs> preaching in flip-flops, but I didn't want to be a meme in anybody's account, right? So I thought about walking in. I'll tell you what, I, I had all kinds of things going through my mind about this message tonight. I thought about coming in here barefoot. Barefoot, but I, you, wouldn't have, you wouldn't have heard anything that anybody's saying. You've been looking at, preacher doesn't have, he's back in Kentucky, look at this. <laughs> I mean, you've, you've tried to do some things in flip-flops because they're easy, right? I mean, you, you, <laughs> don't mow the yard in flip-flops, right? Don't do weed eating in flip-flops. Don't go up in the attic. I'm telling you firsthand, all right? Don't, don't try to do stuff in slides and, you know, wear shoes. Why? Well, you need something that's got a back to it. Something that's going to hold you in place. So soldiers don't train in flip-flops. They train in something that, that is sturdy. I mean, look at the grip on this. These are really nice, Brother Art. Thank you very much. So they've got a good grip and, and, and it's obviously laced up. And so it's going to hold your, your ankles in place. And I mean, you can just tell, I mean, if we're talking about standing your ground, which would you rather have? I think the choice is obvious. I'm going to go here rather than here. But too many Christians are living their Christian life here. Flip-flop Christians flip-flop Christians. And what happens then is you're losing your ground. Okay, so this, I, I, I really had a shift in thinking on this verse. When it says your feet shod with preparation of gospel of peace, I, I, I know that, that it may very well be that it's indicating, well, we need to be ready, prepared to go with the gospel. There's no denying that. And there would be other verses that would really bear that out, like in Isaiah chapter 52 and verse number seven, that how beautiful are the feet of them. And Paul even quoted that in Romans chapter 10, didn't he? That how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach except they be sent? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. So if you, if you share the gospel, you've got beautiful feet. <laughs> All right. But what is Paul saying here in this verse? When he says, and your feet, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What I had not studied out previously is that this word preparation, it's only used one time in the New Testament. You're looking at it in verse 15. Preparation, readiness, that has that idea. Uh, but in the uh, Greek translation of the Old Testament, it's used like in the foundation of the temple, the base You'll find it there. So it's a really rare word. Okay. Everybody still follow me? All right. Paul is saying this in Ephesians. There is a battle that is set against you and your church and your families. And you need to be ready. And he said it four times. You've got to be ready to stand your ground. Stand, stand, stand. Four times, stand. So in this particular context, we are actually on the defense. Now in Matthew chapter 16, the gates of hell should not prevail against it. We are on the offense. So there is offensive side of this. But 
all these uh, various weaponry that we've considered so far, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, all these things are defensive. So I, I want to at least submit for your thinking tonight, though I'm not going to be like really dogmatic on it. But I think in the context of what he's saying is that as a believer, we need to be ready to stand our ground by having the right kind of footing so that we're not slipping everywhere. All right, so now, obviously they didn't have combat boots like this back in Paul's time. What would Alexander the Great have done had his soldiers had this style, right? I mean, given how quickly they moved and what they did in his day and time, but what they had would, would have been more like what we would refer to as sandals, but they had about a th uh, three-fourths inch thick sole to it, so a thick sole. In fact, some things that the enemy would do is that they would have um, obstacles set up, spikes near the wall so that when they came, then if they had on flimsy shoes, they had on flip-flops, then that would have went right through them. But this was a thicker leather. But not only that, here's, here's the thing that I learned in the study, and I hope that you can study it out for yourself sometime. <laughs> not flip-flops. But it had hobnails or studs on the bottom of that leather so that as they're doing hand-to-hand -hand combat, they're not slipping, but they're standing firm. And he says, your feet shod with the preparation, the firm footing of the gospel of peace. Now that's the part that kind of seems like, well, how, how does all that fit together? It sure seems like we ought to be going out with the gospel. And everybody understand we need to be going out with the gospel? I'm not taking away from that part. I'm just trying to preach it in its context. And he's saying here, you need the type of a firm foundation so that you're not slipping everywhere in your Christian life. Because I'm afraid, folks, if I could just preach to us here for just a little bit, I'm afraid that there are many Christians that are slipping and sliding in their Christian life because they're flip-flop Christians, not combat boot type Christians. Is this making sense so far? There's a lot of sliding that's taking place. So, so here, um, it, it has that idea of that firm footing. Well, what does this mean? The, your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Well, how is it that your life is stable? Would you agree with this tonight, that your life is stable because of the gospel? It's salvation through Jesus that stabilizes our lives. And it's the gospel. So the idea, okay, let me, let me see if I work on this here just a minute. Your feet shod with the preparation, the preparation of the gospel. So the preparation of the gospel, does that mean we need to be prepared to go out? We've already talked about that. But it's the preparation rather that comes, the idea, and grammatically it could go either way, but I think in the context, the idea is this, it's the, the firmness, it's the firm footing that comes from the gospel that brings peace. Namely, that you've got peace with God, peace within, and peace with one another. The gospel is that which does that. So it's the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, um, I like what Alexander McLaren said. So this is back different day and time, but he said this, listen. He says, if we are warring with the devil, 
we are at peace with God. All right? If you're warring, fighting against the devil, then you are at peace with God. If you are at peace with the devil, then you are warring with God. In fact, he went on to say this, war and peace go together. Peace does not mean the absence of war. He says there's no real peace which has no conflict in it. And the gospel is the gospel of peace, he says, because it enlists us in Christ's army to fight Christ's battle. So then he, then he says this, so then, dear brother, the only way to realize and preserve the peace of God is to fling ourselves manfully. I just like that word when I saw it. Fling ourselves manfully into the fight to which all of Christ's soldiers are pledged and bound. He's saying, listen, if you're going to have, stay in a place where you are experiencing the peace of God, then you need to manfully, or if you're a woman, womanfully, how's that? I'm not sure if that works. Anyways, but you need to be fully engaged in the battle that would keep you in a place where you are at peace with God and at war with the enemy. All right, now I understand that, that it is very clear that, that if we're in Christ, we have peace with God and, and that, that your soul cannot be lost again. You are saved. But would you agree tonight that there are choices that you can make on the flip-flop flip -flop side of Christianity that if you make those choices, you're not in peace with God. What's the opposite of peace? Disruption. A lack of harmony. So I, I submit to you tonight what Paul is saying is that there are decisions that will help you stand firm. But then there also are decisions you can make that will cause you to slip. And it's not a decision that's made in perfect harmony with Christ. But it's you trying to slide over to the other side and fit in the world rather than taking your stand with Christ. Okay. All right, now I said a moment ago that Christians are slipping. And um, every one of us are certainly prone to slipping. So I thought about it. What is it? Where are some Christians slipping? Where are some churches slipping? Where are some families slipping? Sadly, some are slipping in what they believe. We live in a day of very casual Christianity. Just kind of chilling. I'm tempted to put these on and let somebody try to push me around. Because I guarantee you, if I'm on these, I don't have a chance. Some Christians are slipping in what they believe. They're slipping in what they believe about the Bible. They're slipping in what they believe about the gospel. Some are slipping into Calvinism. 
Um, just because intellectually, intellectual sounding people that write books say that Jesus died only for a certain group and he's only determined to save a certain group does not mean it's so. I firmly believe that Calvinism is hurting many churches. And we don't need to be flip-floppy on it. We need to be very settled on the matter to say, Jesus died for all, therefore all can be saved. But if we start to waffle on that and just kind of, I don't know, kind of go with the flow... church won't be exactly what it has been. Some are slipping on salvation. Some are slipping on separation. Non-denominationalism, ecumenicalism, it's very popular. I'm saying to us as a church, listen, we ought to have the right disposition, but we've got to stand firm on this. And not, not just... Not go with anything just because, well, that's what other churches are doing. Uh, we're responsible to our commander and where we ought to stand. And not go with the fads of the age. Some are slipping there, but let, let me get a little bit more personal here because I'm afraid that some Christians are slipping on personal holiness. Just kind of letting some things slide. Just letting some standards slide. Just kind of not important. Folks, tonight, it's real easy to let your Bible reading slip. Don't, don't come at your Bible reading flip-floppy style. Is that a word? Come at it saying, God, I, I, I've got to stay in the Word. Don't, don't start slipping. Every one of us have been there where you start to slip. You miss a day and you miss two days. You miss a week. You miss a month. But when you miss a month, it, it doesn't matter even if you got all your ology figured out in terms of Bible doctrine even. If you're down, you're praying. Slipping on Bible reading. And some are slipping, um, slipping in ministry involvement. Some that used to be very involved, just kind of slipping. Here's a dangerous one. Are you listening to me here tonight? Slipping in church attendance. Um, it's easy to get out of church. I'll, I'll tell you how it happens. You miss one service. Kind of easy. And I realize we've got people watching by live stream uh, right now that, um, that because of the uh, virus and their, their particular situation, I, I understand it and I, I want to encourage them. But at the same time, every, every one of us are in danger of just kind of getting into something that's easy. And, and so we've got to stand our ground here and saying, I, I've got to be in church. And as soon as uh, you're able to be back, then we want you to be back. Because I'm telling you, you need the fellowship here of the saints, for sure. Slipping in, in church attendance. And it, it can go real fast and real easy. I'm just, I'm just telling you, Satan wants to disrupt your spiritual life. Okay, so here's another practical way I think you've got to think about this. 
What's going to keep you in a right relationship with God? We're talking about peace with God, the peace of God that passes all understanding, peace even with one another. I'll tell you what will disrupt that is if you let a little bit of envy come into your life. Just a little bit of envy, a little bit of jealousy. Don't, don't let it in. Stand, stand your ground there. A little bit of worry. The peace of God is gone. No, no, stand your ground there and say, God, I, I know you're right and your word can be trusted. Bitterness can cause you to slip. The peace of God be gone. Are you listening to me tonight? Is this making sense? If lust comes in and you just let a little bit of lust come in through whatever avenue it comes in, whether it is through the television or magazines or a person at work or a person at church or a person, you know, uh, somewhere across the country. And you just let a little bit of lust kind of come in. The peace of God will be gone. I, I, I just want to help us here tonight to to make decisions in such a way that I know I'm I'm at a place where I'm right with God. If you're out of church, you know, you're not right with God. You don't have peace with God. If you're living in lust and and lust is taking over, your, you don't have peace with God. God is inviting you not to live like this, but to live combat ready. Live in such a way that the peace of God is is, uh, is at work in your life that comes by way of the gospel that I, I know he loves me and I know I'm in a place where, where he saved me and I'm living like it. I'm telling you, that's when you have peace right there. Just uh, this past week, we were coming back from visiting Miss Susan Llewellyn and, and uh, we were going uh, eastbound on 44th Street, I think it was, out of Mustang. And, and, um, and as we were going along, it's 45 miles an hour along the way, in case you didn't know. And I'm eastbound, and uh, we had this officer meeting us, coming this way. He was westbound, I'm eastbound, and he turned his lights on and sounded his siren. You know what, you know what immediately happened? Peace, sweet peace, was all gone. You know that feeling? I mean, it's amazing to me, just like instantly. <laughs> I mean, that... That knot in your stomach, like, oh no, is he gonna turn around? Is he turning around? Is he turning around? Huh? I'm telling you. And Angie said, you better slow down. <laughs> she was right. I was doing 50 something. <laughs> Not even thinking about it until he turned that siren on. Well, my peace was gone. Um, I'm thankful that God calls us out. Sometimes, because we can, no, no, wait a minute. You, you can just kind of let it slide. Just let it slip. And, and God sends a preacher. <laughs> You've been reading your Bible lately? It's like the siren just came on. And you feel busted. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Just, just slow down and read your Bible. I, I guarantee you the rest of the way home, I wanted to set the cruise on 45, but I didn't do that. But it made me stop and pay attention to what I was doing. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That, that will protect your life. And so ask yourself this question. If I make this decision, will that keep me at peace with God and at odds with the enemy? Or, in some way, will that cause me to leave from here to come here and be at peace with the enemy and odds with God? Did you hear that? 
Every decision as a believer. What a good filter right there. If I make this decision to watch that, let's say, I'm just trying to be practical here tonight. If I make that decision to watch that movie, you know how hard it is as a family to decide what to watch and what not to watch? I mean, it narrows the list down pretty far. Doesn't it? Why do we have to be so narrow? Uh, because Satan's so subtle. Can you keep peace with God right there in that decision? Will it allow me to be on God? Here's an easy way to say it. Will that keep me on God's side or does that put me on the enemy's side? I don't want to be on the enemy's side because then God's against me. So make decisions that keep you at peace with God. Friendships that keep you at peace with God. I've seen too many Christians that have started to make wrong kind of friendships. And then they slip and they slip and they slide and they slide. Next thing you know, they're out of church. I believe that's what the verse is trying to help us to see. To have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, let's deal with the second one. These really do fit well together, okay? And I may come back and do a little bit more work on this one. I'm not sure. But nonetheless, here we go. Above all, I don't, I don't think what Paul is saying in this part of the verse, in verse, uh, what are we at, 16? I don't think what he's saying here is like above everything else. Because who would say truth's not as important as faith? So I don't think that's what he's saying. But what, he, what he's saying is that you've got to have the belt on. You've got to have the breastplate on. You've got to have your footing on firm ground. You've got to be ready to stand your ground. But above all, something to cover everything. And so then he has a shield. Now, this is just a homemade shield that I used back um, in Bible school some years ago. But I, <laughs> it's not very impressive, I realize. But anyways, you don't have to be impressive to be battle ready, okay? So. It's just plywood. Um, and actually what they would use was two pieces of wood pressed together about this size. Now they had a smaller shield, a round shield. You've seen it, the smaller one. But what Paul has in mind here is the one that's about, it probably was a little bit bigger than this one, uh, two foot, two and a half foot wide and four foot tall. So close to this size, you see it. It would have metal here and metal down here so that when they put it in the ground, then it's got that firm setting. And then if you check this out, I'm behind it. <laughs> well, that was deep, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, mercy. <laughs> Metal here. And in case they have, uh, uh, you know, as, as swords coming there, then they've got some protection there. But uh, also what they would, would do, and this one is not, but it actually would be wrapped in leather. And then they actually would take that shield and, and either dip it in water to saturate that leather. And the reason they would do that is in the rest of the verse. Above all, taking the shield of faith, whereby we may quench the fiery darts of the wicked. So what, what they would do, obviously, and you've seen it, I mean, they would take... Uh, those arrows or even spears and they would wrap it, you know, with, with material there and, and set it ablaze. And, and then they would shoot that. Well, if it stuck here, at least this is drenched. And so it would quench those fiery darts, those fiery arrows. It's interesting what they would actually do is that these would be able, according to Warren Wiersbe, they would be able to interlock. 
So you'd have a whole row of soldiers, not just one, but soldiers side by side. And they're locked together as though a wall. In fact, what else I learned from one individual is that another individual would come and they would lock above. And so it would kind of be like this. And then you got a shield here. Okay. And so that way, as arrows are flying in, because they don't just come horizontally, but they come in at an angle, then you've got major teamwork going on here for the safety of the whole army. You know, you know, what, you know what we are here as, as members of this church? What we're supposed to be is we're supposed to be side by side in this battle. Because every one of us have the same enemy that's coming at us. And every one of us need the shield of faith because Satan is, is uh, firing his fiery darts at us of doubt. I mean, if it's a shield of faith, then the opposite of that would be doubt. And the opposite of that would be fear. And so we need to stand beside each other and, 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 and hunker down in this battle, so to speak, and standing beside each other so that then we can withstand in the evil day. And we, listen, we are living in an evil day. I uh, had one more part to this illustration that I tried in the garage this afternoon and it worked, uh, but I decided not to use here. I have uh, um, those that do illusions and things like that, uh, some flash paper. You can light it with the lighter and hold it in your hand and it like, you ever seen it? So I had Trenton go out in the garage and said, here, bud, get behind the shield. And I took that flash paper, and he had never seen it before. This is pretty cool. So I took the lighter and, and lit it and threw it, and it flew through there, and then and it was gone. He said, wow, that was awesome. So we did it again. And I tried it. We called Tyler and Trevor out into the garage as well. And th that time, though, it didn't go right. <laughs> so I thought, okay. That worked once, yay, it worked twice, but it did not work a third time, so I'm not doing it in the auditorium <laughs> for safety precautions. We're in a real spiritual battle, folks. We've got to have firm footing and standing our ground spiritually. Don't let your spiritual life slip. The shield of faith has got to be in place above all, covering all. The shield of faith because Satan is, is firing his fiery darts in your life, trying to take you out and your family out. How about we just join together as a church and say, I'm, I'm, I'm right here beside you. We're going to be in this battle together. Today, my heart's been so burdened for our young people, you know, the the young men, 7th grade through 12th grade, got to hear Angie talking about the time with the young ladies. I want every young person here tonight to know this. Every child, every young person to know this. You're not alone in this battle. We're with you here. We're facing the same thing. Sometimes our Bible reading is boring. And it's not because of the Bible, it's because of us. Sometimes we don't want to pray because of us, not because God doesn't hear prayer. But we're in this battle together. And let's not give up ground. Let's just keep fighting in this spiritual battle and, and, and not, not allow just somebody to kind of slip away, but earnestly pray for one another. I've been reminded today just how much we need to pray for our young people and be in the battle together. Yes. Would you stand together here tonight? I appreciate your attention.
Dear God, you've given us the armor. It's available to every Christian. And I pray that you'd help us to utilize what you've prepared for us for battle. Inspect us, oh God, tonight. Help us, God, to make sure that we have our feet shod with the firm footing, the preparation of the gospel of peace to analyze every decision that we make, whether it keep us at peace with you or at odds with you. Help us, Lord, above all, covering all, to take the shield of faith, whereby we may quench the fiery darts of the wicked. God, I pray for some fellow believers tonight that are maybe out of church or have slipped away. I pray that you'd help restore them. I thank you for those that you have restored. Tonight, dear God, in this spiritual battle, we just need your help. And I pray that, Lord, as you would inspect us as a captain of our soul, that you would help us to make sure that we are spiritually prepared for battle. In Jesus' name, amen. As we're standing tonight, page 255.